good. Yeah. Amen. Let's see. Transition. <laughs> transition. Keith, can we transition? <laughs> I didn't mean for that to happen. <laughs> Do you have that CD? <laughs> Come on, get happy. You better chase all your cares away. Shout hallelujah. Come on, get happy. Get ready for the judgment day. The sun is shining. Come on, get happy. The Lord is waiting to take your hand. Shout hallelujah. Come on, get happy. We're going to the promised land. We're heading across the river. Wash your sins away in the tide. It's Come on, get happy. You better chase all your cares away. Shout hallelujah. Come on, get happy. Get ready for the judgment day. Forget your troubles. Come on, get happy. <laughs> that makes me the official queen of transition. <laughs> I just love that. I began to study this week on how to be happy. And every time I'd have a moment where I would just feel that curve starting to go down, I'd crank up Judy Garland for a moment. Forget your troubles. Come on, get happy. And it is entirely scriptural to be happy. Note this day. Note to self. Today, you have been given permission to be happy. You have been given a mandate to be happy. I know, doesn't sound very holy, but it is, and we're going to see, we're going to check that out today. Stand up, we're going to get into the Word, if you don't mind, please stand up, I'm sorry, I wasn't meaning to boss you guys around. We don't want anger as an issue. All right, ready? Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed happy to be envied and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions, are the poor in spirit, the humble who rate themselves insignificant. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, blessed and enviably happy with the happiness produced by the experience of God's favor and especially conditioned by the revelation of his matchless grace are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, this is not scripture, but I also wanted us to share the, the, the next, if we could, from the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father, that your word releases happiness, Father. I thank you that you have spoken it over us. And so, Father, all we have to do is access it. Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you want to do a work today, Father, in us. 
Father, I thank you that freedom is coming. I thank you that joy is coming, Father. I thank that that merry hearts are coming today, God. And I thank you that there is freedom in it. So, Father, breathe over us, God. Revelation today. Father, I pray that they forget my name and remember yours. And we give you our time and attention in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was telling first service, I had a a moment with um, coming down the hallway this morning. I was heading toward my office and and I had a moment. You just have these moments where you go, oh, there's something in that. And I was walking down the hallway and got about to the nursery and saw these two little hands shoot out. And they hit the, the gate at the that was over the door frame. And so from the side, all of us saw was these hands and the gate just hit the floor. And, just shove. and then I see Carter, his little head come out like. And I thought, ah, oh, that's what God's going to do here today. See, Carter had a level of freedom in there, but it wasn't enough. And all he had to do was push. And so you got a level of freedom. But you know what? If you will push today in the spirit, that gate will come off and you'll be able to go. (laughs) When uh, I started thinking about this, I was thinking about, um, I said, Lord, what what are we doing today? What are we going to do with this whole happiness issue, God? What are we going to do with this? And and, uh, he reminded me when Katie was a little girl, Katie was... My daughter is the, the blonde that was, okay, there was lots of blondes. The one that was running from end to end. Uh, that's my daughter. And a few years ago, several years ago, in fact, we were a pretty liturgical church. We observed a lot of things in the church um, during that season that would be foreign to some of you today. And we observed Ash Wednesday. And for those that don't know, Ash Wednesday is the Wednesday heading into Lent. It signifies the 40-day fast that the Lord went into heading into Easter and um, the way that it's observed is you take last year's palm branches and they dry and you keep them all year and then you burn them and then you use the ashes from last year's palm branches and there's an impartation of ashes on the forehead as you enter into lit. And so what we did is that Wednesday night we would have everybody come through and there was an impartation of ashes and they would uh, draw a cross on your forehead with the ashes. And uh, we did that for a while. Well, we came one Wednesday night and we spoke about it being Ash Wednesday, but there was no impartation of ashes. And so we got out to the car after service, and I could tell Caitlin was quite disgruntled. And I'm like, what is the matter? Why, why are you being like this? She went, where are my ashes? I didn't get no ashes. And I thought, yeah, I was thinking about that, and I thought, you know, um, so I didn't get, get no ashes. And I said, well, honey, we, we're just not heading in that direction right now. As a church, we're doing something a little bit different. She went, well, what else is that church going to take from us? (laughs) Yeah. Now, it made a couple of questions that made me go, what did they take in the first place (laughs) that you're still upset about? But, um, and then I thought, why is she upset, so upset? And then I remembered the last year, the Wednesday Ash Wednesday, the, the previous year, after service, you know, they had the importation. After service, she and I had driven through McDonald's to grab something on the way home. And I specifically had this flash of her sitting in the front seat beside me and us pulling up to the drive through and her looking over and going. 
toward the people in the window, you know, so that they could go, ooh, what's that on your forehead? Ashes. And see, sometimes it's not what's important, it's the fact that we like that other people notice our ashes. <laughs> and so I felt like what the Lord said today was, go get their ashes. Go get their ashes. And see, we are so prone to wallow in those. We are so prone to wallow in those. I mean, 1964, there's a pile from there. And in 1972, I had a pastor who looked at me funny. You know? And whatever it is, I I mean, I remember this is a flashback from years ago in the old sanctuary. But I just remember having the clearest image of, you go wallow in the pile that you want to today. You know, and we come out looking like the Rice Krispie lady who's pretended to do something. You know, she's really padded flour on her face. And we walk around feeling pious and holy because we're still wallowing in ashes. And it has nothing to do with what God has called us to. You know what? We need to stop paying so much attention to people's ashes and point them toward a cleansing that'll get rid of that stuff. But anyway... But I digress. (laughs) And so I got to thinking about this happiness. You know, I got to thinking about, because let me tell you something. I did not grow up in a a church and in an environment that promoted happiness. We promoted holiness. And those two things had nothing to do with each other. I mean, truly, (laughs) truly, I'm telling you the truth. If somebody was happy, I thought they were shallow. Because they obviously weren't carrying the burdens of the Lord in the manner that they should. And I thought if somebody was lighthearted, then they were frivolous and unconcerned. Because the way that I was brought up, everything was so serious. Everything was just, you know, build my mansion next. It was all about getting to heaven. What about the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? What about that? I want some of that. I wanted some of that, and nobody, told, nobody was telling me that this God that, that I was so fearful of and so afraid of was actually a God of mercy and a God of grace, and it was a revelation for me. And I'm telling you something, it continues to unfold in my life. And what the Lord revealed to me this week is I'm, not, I'm still not over some of it. I'm still not over some of it, because when Pastor Ronnie told me my topic was going to be how to be happy, I said, I really have an issue with that word. I'm telling you something. It's like asking Eeyore to teach on ho- and happiness. Oh. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I felt. And I'm like, God, there's something wrong with me. And if I get an amen, I'm going to be so upset. <laughs> I'm like, God, there is something wrong with me. This word happy bothers me. The word happy... How messed up is that? Do you know what you got as a pastor? <laughs> I mean, how messed up is that? And I'm like, God, you got to help me with this because I know that I have, I, I have joy and I have peace and I have contentment, but it is, is it okay to be happy too? Absolutely. Absolutely. And let me take you on the little strange journey that he took me through to get me there. I began to think about that moment when he stepped up onto the hill that we just read about. And I was thinking about everything that led up to that moment. Everything that led up to that moment. We're in the fifth chapter of Matthew. And I'm thinking that in those four chapters, we we see him come into being. And in the chapter previous, we see that he is um, baptized and he's led into the wilderness and he's tempted by uh, Satan. And then he begins to 
call his disciples. And then he begins to, it says he uh, went with a message to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he began to heal people. And it, and I got to thinking about so much packed into such a small period of time. And I thought, God, there was so much that, that took place before because from the beginning of Revelation, I mean, from the beginning of Genesis, but from the beginning of time, we have heard about this Messiah that's going to come. We have heard it prophesied and, and it's foretold and, and we begin to dream about him in Genesis. We begin to think about him, this promised Messiah. And for all of these generations leading forward, we're waiting on him. We're waiting on him. And then he, st- he is sent from the father. Mary becomes pregnant. And, and I got to thinking about that night in the manger. That night in the manger when all t- time and eternity and all of the generations and all of the prophecies and everything that had been spoken now begin to move toward this time. And I got to thinking about when he was born And he cried for the first time. And I thought how the wind, I mean, the wind itself must have just rejoiced as his breath mingled with the elements, as his breath kissed the air on the planet. I believe that the winds carried this testimony that he is here. I believe that the winds testified he is here. And then I think about when his little flat feet, the first time he began to walk on the planet, the first time that little flat foot hit the ground, I believe that the ground began to rumble. I believe that the testimony began to go out. He is here. He is here. And I believe it just shot through the earth. And this anticipation began. And then we see him standing at the edge of the river. And we see him walk up and we see him set his foot in the water for his baptism. And I believe when his foot touched the water, I believe the oceans heard it. I believe that it carried through the waters. I believe that the ponds, the lakes, the streams, the rivers begin to testify. He is here. He is here. And it began to reverberate. And I believe at that point and at that moment, I believe that all of creation began to groan for his coming. All of creation began to to long for him and began to lean in because of the testimony that had gone forth. Now, see, we know that the earth testifies. You can think I'm crazy, but that's consistent. Um, The word says that that the earth testifies, that the heavens testify. I believe that creation groans for him, and I believe that testimony. And I can just see the trees leaning in. I can see the trees leaning in. So when he walks to this moment, when he walks, everything, everything has led up to this moment because up till now we've been waiting on him and now the earth and creation has begun to testify he is here. But the only thing we've heard, we've heard his topic. We've heard one sentence about what he was teaching and we've heard that he's our healer, that he goes about in healing. But this is the first time that he sits down to begin to teach us. Don't you think, after all of this time, from Genesis into the book of Matthew, all of these years and generations, all of these prophecies, everything that has gone forth, and he sits down to give his first sermon that we are privy to. Don't you think it would be his most important Don't you think it would be the thing most important to him at that moment that the people would know? Now, see, as a child, I would think if you had asked me, what does God care about? I would have said sin because I thought that's what God cared about. 
But if you ask me today, what does God care about? I'll say you. You. Because he sits down to deliver his first teaching, his first that, that we get to be privy to, and he starts with the word blessed. What? I thought it was supposed to be death or sin or, you know, Ten Commandments or rules and regulations and wrath or justice, but it's blessing. What kind of God is this? Who, who came up with this God? <laughs> this is not the felt board God. I knew the felt board God. I knew pointed. But he sits down and he goes, blessed are you. He begins to tell us how we're going to live blessed. Not only how we will be blessed, but in two very important issues in our life. He says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And everything in that says, blessed are those who are not chasing the world systems. Blessed are those who aren't concerned with money and power and position and chasing that, that, that elusive something that will never fulfill you. Blessed are you when you're poor in spirit, where all that matters to you is him. You know what, guys? My prayer and God knows my heart. I pray that you, I don't want you ever, I don't want you to remember my name. When I'm gone, don't remember my name. Remember his Remember his, I just, you know, I don't want to be first here and last there. I would a million times rather be last here and first there. I want to be first in line to get up close to him. <laughs> oh, I just want to, I just, I don't want that. But he says, blessed are the poor in spirit because theirs is the kingdom of God. You know what? If you are poor in spirit and you have a right estimation of yourself, this isn't about being, um, beating yourself up or, or diminishing your self-value or your worth. This is about knowing who God is in you. This is about being strong enough to go, you know what, I don't need all of that stuff. God, if you bring it into my life, that's fine. But I don't need it. And whatever you give me, I'll, I'll pour back out because, Lord, I want to be poor in spirit where all I need is you. All I need is you. So he addresses that, that concern that we have, that, that desire to be bigger and better and greater and higher in position with more power. And then he addresses the second thing that we tend to have the biggest issues with. He says, blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. See, our propensity toward wallowing in ashes has been around for a long time. And it isn't just that, it, that word there that is used for mourn is loss. Blessed are you when, when you lose something valuable, when you are at a loss because I'm going to comfort you. And see, we need that. We need to know that when we suffer loss and when we're broken and when we have lost a lot, that we have a God who will comfort us. And so he addresses those. I love that his first message that we get to hear tells us about how to be blessed. That tells me so much about this God. This is not the God that I knew. I mean, seriously, in my house, you know, <laughs> the whispered words were, you know, well, somebody's died or somebody's committed adultery or, you know, I, I, I told first service, I said, I felt like there had to be a book by the title of hell in the Bible, you know, first book of hell, second book of hell, third book of hell, and then, you know, then the book of repentance, because those were the, hopefully you get the repentance before you get to the book of hell, but... You know, <laughs> but I did, I knew more about Satan than I knew about God. That's just wrong. Am I saying that God's not just? Absolutely not. God is just. And he will level the playing field. God will. 
He is just, but he is mercy as well. And, and I got to thinking about this God, you know, standing on that mountain and delivering the message that he delivered. That was not the God that I knew. And I'm so glad, so blessed that he has begun to, to give me a revelation in my life of the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. What, what a concept. I was thinking about, well, a lot of things. You know, it's the funniest thing when you get, have to teach on something, you get tested in it. So I have cried more on this week unhappiness. <laughs> because, I mean, seriously, I'm, I can be troubled sometimes. <laughs> I just, I, because I pondered it and I thought about it, and then I began to move into the place where I go, was going, okay, you know, God, I am happy. <laughs> I am too happy. And I got to thinking about, you know, the Lord just kind of began to take me through some places and things in my life, just joyous places. And I encourage you to, to revisit some of those places. And I was thinking about as a child how I used to get um, one of my favorite memories of my family. I have four sisters and then my mom and dad. And um, we, we were very poor, and most of you know that. But one of my favorite memories is... I don't care how much we had no money, but somehow every year we came up with enough money to go to Daytona Beach. Well, what would happen is we would, um, my mom would put us all to bed about 2 o'clock in the morning, or put us all to bed, and then about 2 o'clock in the morning she'd get up, and she'd start frying chicken, and she'd make boiled eggs, because we didn't have money to stop on the trip down. And so she'd do that, and then she'd put a little canteen thing of water in the car and some paper cups, and, and it smelled so bad in that car. I'm just telling you the truth. And <laughs> um, But my dad, we would go in this station wagon. We had a, an old hot station wagon, and it got to where, and it had one of the seats that faced backwards, you know? And uh, I know. Uh, but... It was white, and it started to get rusty. You know, the car was getting rusty. So my dad went to the store, and he bought some cans of black spray paint. You know where I'm going. And so my dad spray painted the car black. That didn't help with the lack of air conditioning and the boiled eggs. But <laughs> y'all want to go on vacation with me next time? Um, so we would take off. My, my best memories are we would roll the windows down because you had to. And um, we would sing. We would sing in these four-part harmonies, five-part if you count what Cindy was doing, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> I hope she doesn't listen to this. Um, we would always give her the bass line because she had a tendency to shout in loose shoes, and we'd just take off on off without her. But... Um, we would take off and we would go, we would start singing on that road between here and Daytona. And we would sing so loud and, and all of the cars, the people would just turn and look at us and we thought it's because we're singing so good. But it's probably the smell and the black paint. But, but I love that memory. And then we would always go. We always went to the Thunderbird Hotel and we'd pull up and there's these big high-rise hotels and we'd go, Daddy, where is it? Where <laughs> I said, I told first service, listen, we'd say, Daddy, that's not a pool, that's a bathtub. 
But he loved for some reason. He loved that place. And those memories, those things, you know, God has been so faithful and so good to me. And I just wonder, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten how good God is to you? When was the last time you laughed? I mean, when was the last time you just belly laughed? Usually it's with someone ridiculous or you're really, really tired. You know, when was the last time you just experienced joy and laughter? The scripture tells us that a merry heart makes good like a medicine. And I prayed this morning that you would all be medicated. (laughs) Some of you more than others. And I was not looking at anybody, I promise. I promise. See, because I didn't know that God wanted you to be happy, because I didn't know that you could actually have a full life in Christ, I ran from Him. The Lord called me into ministry a long time ago. I just didn't obey Him. He called me. He prompted me in my spirit. I had a... a, I mean, I knew what God had called me to do, but I refused it. Because... I really didn't want to introduce people to that God. I really didn't want anybody else. I'm telling you what, I don't know how many things a 10-year-old child can get delivered from, but I did every weekend. Because I knew when I went to church, if you go to the Pentecostal Deliverance Church of God, you are going to get delivered from something every weekend. And I did. And I got, you know what, I got really tired of feeling bad all the time. I got really tired of walking in condemnation constantly and feeling like if I had a good time, God was mad at me. And so when God began to call me, I didn't want anything to do with that. I mean, I had learned to cope with him and, and adjust in my feelings, but I didn't want any, to teach anybody else about a God who I did not understand yet because I didn't want to give that. And the Lord began to teach me and about, he, he, we went through this period of time, he and I, where about two o'clock in the morning, every morning, for the longest time, about two o'clock in the morning, he would wake me up in my sleep. And he would ask me this question. He would say, if I send you, what will you tell them? And so for the first few weeks, <laughs> I, would get, I would give like the politically correct answer or the spiritually correct answer. I quoted more scripture You know, I will tell them, oh God, you know, woe to you wicked sinners, whatever. You know, no wonder he came back the next night. (laughs) He's like, oh, when is this child going to learn? And it kept going and it kept going. I mean, literally for months, two o'clock in the morning, if I send you, what will you tell them? And There was this week and I was starting to get frustrated going, really? Really, God? It wasn't that I was being holy. (laughs) I was tired. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know, God. I've given you all of the answers that I know. And I kind of felt like he was going, well, that's the point. You haven't found it yet. And so this night came and he said, if I send you, where will you tell? If If I send you, what will you tell them? And I sat straight up in the bed and I said, God, I will tell them that you love them and that you see them. And when I said that, man, I had this revelation go off in my spirit. It was like this sonic blast just went through me and I sat there and I cried and I'm like, God, 
You love them. That's what I'll tell them. It seems so simple, but to somebody who's raised in wrath and judgment and harshness to go, oh, if I never tell them anything else, God, I will tell them that you love them and that you see them. And, and God just solidified that in me. And I cried and I rejoiced. And in that moment, truly, I, I didn't know that that's what I had done, but I had accepted what God had given me because I had a revelation of his matchless grace. I had a revelation. I can tell them about that God. I can tell them about this God. I can tell them about a God that loves them and sees them and wants them to be blessed and happy. I can do that, God. Within three days, Pastor Ronnie called me to his office and said, would you like to come on staff? And I said, no, no. (laughs) And I went, God, he was just waiting on me to get it. Do you know what's waiting on the other side of you getting it? Do you know what's waiting on the other side of your yes? What if you just decide today? What if you allow God to take all of those ashes, all of those hard places, all of those stones, you build that altar, you wash off those ashes and decide to to follow a God who loves you and sees you? The definition of happiness in this in, in, in the word, the definition of happiness, let me give it to you, is isher. It is a pronouncement. It's spoken over. It means it is favored, fitting, effective, well-adapted, enjoying your well-being, and characterized by contentment. But I love this last line. To be happy in him is to reflect the suggestion of a happy ending. Reflect the suggestion of a happy ending. See, you guys have a happy ending. Why do you live like it's getting ready to go? (laughs) You know, you have a happy ending. You win. You win. It says, what is happiness? See, that is the result of happiness. What I just read to you. Well-being, fitting in any condition. In any place that you're in, you will have the appropriate response. You will be characterized by well-being and contentment. And how do you get there? It says this, happiness is the resulting state of a life trained and conditioned. Of a, happiness is the resulting state of a life trained and conditioned by his matchless grace. Trained and conditioned by his matchless grace. You see, I had been trained and conditioned by a, a graceless God. And, when I, and I couldn't move forward in my walk with him. But when I found that he is a God full of grace. See this word conditioning here, and I'm getting ready to close. So if we have some music, that'd be awesome. Random singers just begin anywhere. <laughs> I was driving with Hal one day. <laughs> I was in the passenger seat. And I said, hey, honey, you want a little music? And he said, sure. And I went, if I didn't care for you. <laughs> he, just did, he just did what he just now did. He just looked at me like. <laughs> I say we do that when, when the pastor says, can we have some music? Just start singing. <laughs> Rock this house. Um <laughs> What was I talking about? Conditioning. See, Wayne came up on the stage and I had a contagious senior moment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
conditioning. I love you, you know. Yeah, see me after. And I forgive you. <laughs> uh, my father, when I was in high school, I was a relief pitcher for the boys' baseball team. I know, you're impressed. <laughs> I, I wasn't very feminine. <laughs> just, just trust me on that. But my father would take my glove and he would condition, he'd go, we got to condition your glove, Barbie. I'm like, okay. And he would take this oil and he would rub it into it. Every night, he would rub this oil into this glove. And then he would put the glove, uh, the ball in the glove, and then he would position it around the ball. And he conditioned this glove to where it was usable and pliable and fit perfectly. Now, see, we are supposed to be conditioned by a revelation of his matchless grace. We are supposed to be conditioned. Our lives are supposed to be conditioned to the idea, to the thought, to the truth that we serve a God of matchless grace. And see, when we have that revelation, we begin to walk in contentment. We begin to walk in well-being. We begin to live like we are a people who have a happy ending coming. Amen? Can we stand for just a minute? God is so faithful. God is so faithful. how to end. Hmm. If you need prayer, um, if you can we have some prayer warriors? Because if there's some of you, you're going, I've got too much on me to be happy. I've got a spirit of heaviness. I am grieving. I am mourning. I have suffered loss. I want you to come and let's trade those today. Let's trade those today. If you have gone, you've listened to this, you've gone, God, I would love to laugh. I would love to be lighthearted, but I'm too concerned about this and I'm too worried about that. You know what? Let's let God release you. Let's God, let God release you today. Trade in your ashes, truly. Trade them in. I fix my eyes on I'm
God, God is so faithful. Whatever your need is this morning, He wants to meet with you. He is still a God who is healing. He is just a God who will grant you favor. If you need favor in a job, if you need God to just move on your behalf in some areas, He's moving this morning. He's always moving. But I just sense His presence in just a meet your need kind of way today. So kind of, we'll have somebody to pray with you. get a revelation of a God of matchless grace. I pray, Father, for joy, joy to come, Father, for laughter to come, Father, for happiness, Father, to be their companion. I pray, Father, that you lighten their load, allow your face to shine upon them, and, Father, may they know the pleasure of your presence and your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would fellowship in the foyer, that would be awesome.